busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Before we get started, I just want to go ahead and let you know that I picked up some dried mangoes from my local Aldi's. <laughs> let me explain something new. Um, I tried to look in the ingredients and I don't see anything that's illegal, but these are addictive. So I'm just going to go ahead and place those down because if not, I will not be able to focus. But let's go ahead and get into it, shall we? Okay, great. If you have been paying attention as you are growing older in this thing called life, you should also be growing wiser. And there's one common denominator that connects us all. We will all face situations that either feel like we were prepared for or had no idea and it kind of just took us for a loop, kind of like a pop quiz. And I wanted to just focus on life storms and our responses to it. Because as great of a planner as you may be, as detail-oriented, and okay, you're, you're a budgeter, you have all your ducks in a row, there is going to be something in your life that is like, I did not uh, plan or put away for that, either mentally, emotionally, or financially. It just was not something that you put aside for. And the only thing that you can control First off, the good news is that you do have something that you can control. The other part of that is um, point to be is that the thing that you can control is your response to it. And I know that sounds super cliche, like, oh, you know, 99 of the problems come and the 1% is your, re is your response. Blah. At least I think that's how the meme went that I saw on one of the social media platforms. But the truth of the matter is really that. Like in order not to feel powerless, you need to feel assertive in where you can put your power. And if your power is just, listen, you're going to have to sit in the strongest seat that you can and say, I have the power to choose my response. Then by all means, wear your crown in that throne. Even if the throne feels like it's a toddler plastic chair from Family Dollar, <laughs> you sit upright. You understand. And so I wanted to talk about exactly that because I think that storms and your responses that's that's something that you can be learning and equipping and honing in for for your life or as I like to say it's life fruit meaning you can eat this fruit and learn okay how do I respond to something and it's not age specified it's not gender specified it's not okay well when you get older like you a five-year-old can be eating that fruit okay listen something happened in your life that feels or reflects a storm you can choose your response to this from five to 95 to 105 this is something that we all can benefit from so as far as I'm concerned because I wanted to come up with my own little definition storm to me is essentially being faced with a situation that goes beyond your control. And the only thing that you can really grasp control of is how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to respond to this? I did go ahead to the Google parts of life and see if they had something that was a little bit more, okay, so what the Bible says about storms or what we look at as storms. And the only thing that I was able to narrow down to that felt like, okay, this is more of what I was trying to articulate and it goes back to the Bible again. Listen, can't help that we going back to the main ingredients. <laughs> you understand? Salt, pepper, Bible. Like you get it. It's just those are the main ingredients of life to me. And so 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 says, 
life is going to ask more of us than we have to give. But you will not be crushed. You will not be driven to despair. You will never be forsaken. And so that kind of like tied in what I was saying, right? In regards to how I look at a storm. And let me just tell you this. What life has given me, low key, my name could be Stormisha. Accent over the E. Apostrophe A. You understand? Listen, I'm talking about like, okay, God, I know that these things happen in life where you are trying to equip us for our future and the platforms that you have for us. But like, I low key feel like you are trying to equip me for American Gladiators and the show is not even airing anymore. Like, you are equipping me for all things Double Dare Physical Challenge and Nickelodeon being canceled back. So what are we doing, God? <laughs> like, you understand? Like, I know, and it's not just me. That's why I picked up the phone and called you. I know that somewhere on, on the screen in blue, muddy sphere of earth, right, that there is somebody else who feels exactly that same way. You ever have a season or a week or a day or just a time gap or a particular age where you can look back and pinpoint and say, my God. Woo, I'm so glad that I have overcome. Let me say something to you, but I would not go back to repeat that lesson if you paid me a gazillion dollars. No thanks. Or you're probably going through it right now, but that you have some kind of biology, life biology experience where you know A, storms don't last forever, baby. You understand? I need you to go ahead and defeat that demonic thought that makes you feel like, you know what, life is over. This is just it. It ain't never going to be. I always get the short end of the stick. I need you to rebuke the name. I'm talking about rebuke the demonic presence of that thought right now in the name of Jesus. I bind it. Life is not over. This is not your final chapter. This, this is not the ending paragraph. This is not how the curtains close on your stage of life. This is not it. However, this is a needed ingredient as far as the chief chef aka god can see for your life and so it would be unwise to fight off this ingredient get to the end of it and realize you know what what would my life have been what would what what kind of ingredient what kind of end result would have you know just come of this had i just persevered because the second thing is that the storm it never kills you you may be drenched. You may not have been dressed for the occasion. You may have had your good suede shoes. You understand? And you like, listen, just got my fresh press curl. You know, the perm is, is <laughs> immaculate. Like you want to go ahead and just, you know, do a music video. Let the wind just do what it will. You know, you may have just went ahead and, and got your good outfit on. Or what? you had your windows down in, in your car because you was not expecting. Whatever it is, you were just not expecting. But it does not kill you. Trust and believe the storm was only put in your life to either push you in a certain direction, stop you from a certain direction or get your attention. But it's I don't care where and it's a million other things that it can fall into category category wise. But the thing of the matter is that it's always teachable. It's never sent to kill. It's not over. That, that God's more powerful than a storm. You understand? And so I just wanted to just, because sometimes when we're going through things, we feel like, man, is it just me? 
Am I the only one that's experiencing this? Is this the, and you kind of feel like, and I feel like that's just like a, a demonic thing that comes along. It is this notion of it's just you. Where do we get that from? And the only thing I can pinpoint is that that thought is not good, pure. Like the Bible says, think of the things that are good, that are perfect, that are excellent, all the things. So if all of those uh, thoughts are of God, then things that are opposite of that to me is demonic. So things that make you feel like, man, it's just you and it makes you feel bad and it feels like you're wearing the heaviest book bag in the emotional realm and you're just really starting to feel like, you know what, what's the use of even trying anymore in this area? What's the use of even, I mean, all this hard work for what? I mean, look at such and such. They're not working as hard as me, praying as hard as me, wanting as much as me and and they're, they're persevering and doing what needs to be done and getting blessed even, it looks like. And so to me, that thought that makes you just look through life through the oh I gotta find my tail what's the donkey's name Eeyore yeah looking through Eeyore lens that's not of God and so I wanted to go back to our roots because you know how I can be I can pull a zillion examples from the earth right now but I love 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 to pull from something that we can all say wow even then they was experiencing that even then so I do believe that our responses varies when it comes to storms. I don't think everyone just goes in a room, turns off all the lights and just says it's over for me. I'm just, you know, I'm taking 50 mental health days off of work. I'm using all my personal time and, you know, PTO is going to be zero when I get back. I don't think everyone responds like that. I don't think that everyone responds by eating excessively. I don't think everyone responds by spending astronomically. I don't think that everyone responds in violence. So I do understand that while we are all different, there are some commonalities, right? And so I narrowed it down to three responses to storms. One is panic. The other is prayer. And then the last is realistic. And again, when I pull up a situation or an example, I like to go back to what I like to be as our foundational book, which is the Bible for me, okay? So I want to start with realistic. And I made sure this time I feel like an adult. I pulled up the Bible verses too so I could show you like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to just go ahead and ramble off with my own idea of my memory of, I'm going to give you the real life, like, yeah, so I'm feeling kind of good that I got three Bible verses and all that, but I digress. Let's go back to being um, big girls now. Okay, so my realistic example was and again I prayed about this and I'm like God what do you want me to how do you want me to do it and he said talk about the woman with oil I was like hmm I could do that you talking about old girl in uh second kings chapter four he said "Mm mm-hmm now you know I read from the new living translation so let's see I want to go back to the okay so let's just start from the first verse so this one is titled Elisha helps a poor widow So one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. We do that in the name of Jesus. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Two, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. 
pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Now there is so much in that that it is outrageous, and I pray that I don't make this a two-hour phone call. But let me explain something to you. A lot of the times our responses in life, our responses to storms is mimicked by what we saw modeled out either as children or whoever was closest to us or whoever our guardians were um, in, in, in that vicinity. So you mean to tell me this woman who is just known as the poor widow, she doesn't even have a name, poor baby, that's somebody's good grandbaby though went to Elijah, who was a prophet in the Bible, and was like, look, you know, my husband, <laughs> he served you. Now we got a little bit of a financial issue, and uh, I need you to help me come up with something because now they're trying to take away her particular two sons. Elisha tells her, what do you have at all? Her response is, nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil. Okay, ma'am, that's something, because in her day, in her economy, that is definitely something that was a, a great financial resource. So for her to say nothing means that she was viewing her resources wrong. Her statement should have been, I have a flask of olive oil. Because she should have known that's worth some money. But what she looked, the lens that she was looking through for her particular storm was she has nothing but a flask of olive oil. Then Elisha didn't even address that. He was like, okay, understanding that you have a little bit, he told her to go borrow as many empty jars as she can from her friends and her neighbors. So she went ahead and she was obedient. But as she's pouring and she's getting and she's starting to see, oh my gosh, this little bit of flask, the little bit that I had, the little bit that I was blessed to have. Now I'm seeing that God is stretching it beyond what I thought and how I measured it. Oh my goodness, look to her son. Go get more flask. Go, go, go get more jars. And what was her son's reply? There aren't any more. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Sir, your life is on the line. Okay? They just said uh, that they was coming for you and your brother, okay, great, uh, to be slaves because your father is no longer. I don't care if you have to make your way downtown like Taylor Swift. Go find a jar. Matter of fact, go get some mud and some spit and do your Patrick Swayze. I'm talking about your good Demi Moore, and you make a jar. I don't care if you have to, whatever you have to do, what happened to looking at something and having this any means necessary? I will make more. No, I don't care what it is. I just seen a miracle right before my eyes. I know that all we had in this house was but a flask and you mean to tell me that I can borrow a couple of jars and that little bit of fl flask is filling up so much that I'm like, okay, maybe I don't have to, have to just go to, or I'm not limited to just the neighbors that's in radius to us 
listen as far as I can see right here these dudes that was coming back to collect the two sons they didn't give a particular time frame while one of y'all is going radius one of y'all should have went downtown if it took a day or so that's what you should have done but at no point had had it should the answer or the reply back to his mother have been there aren't any more no you are not willing to go find more just like when your mother was asked what do you have in your home she didn't see more so in that instance her realistic limited view was actually passed on to her son so my question to you is are you looking at your life and your circumstances and your storms with a limited view? And more importantly, who modeled that out for you? Who modeled out we only have this much money? Yeah, you know, we don't have big families like such and such. It's only us. Yeah, you know, this little bit of car with all these miles on it. Who taught you to look so small through such a big world? Who taught you that? My gosh. Unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of just turning to a Bible page and reading our lives and going, that's where we got it from. Sometimes we got to do a little bit more digging and being more self-aware and saying, you know what? I do sound a lot like my mother, my father. My best friend's starting to rub off on me. You know what? Ever since I've been in that relationship with such and such, I don't look at that the same. Understand that relationships, even if they expire, they leave something with you. Prayfully, they're leaving the things that benefit you. But it's only you can only control that. So that's the realistic lens. You see what I'm saying? Now... <laughs> let's go to um and, and most of us can relate to the realistic some of us is like I don't really see nothing wrong with that I think she kind of she answered correctly yeah but you know what the realistic lens is limited you may look at it like you only have that in the account you know it's extremely limited when when Jesus was like yo you feed the 5,000 talking to the disciples they was like bro we only have a boy's lunch and I think even in exact that example, he's like, dang, why do you keep looking at things like they're small? Instead of saying we only have, say, God, what could you do with all that I have? You see what I'm saying? Small, smallness, you, you got to stop operating in that and think that that gets blessed. You are going to have to expand how you see a thing. You know, did God just see in Genesis a void? Did he just see, you know, just blackness? No, he saw what he wanted to create. Hmm, okay. It may be dark now and I'm hovering on it now, but I'm going to go ahead and build something. Hmm, it may be a boy's lunch for these 5,000, but when I give it to God, it always maximizes. So it's great to have a realistic view, but it's a shame when it's your only view. Say to God, all I have is this in my amount in my account but I know that in your hands you'll you'll you expand it you'll make it more that sounds way different than nothing but a flask like the woman said about the oil so let's go to an, another popular response so you I went ahead and, okay so we talked about the realistic now let's talk about the panic <laughs> which we have all at one point or another wore that particular suit 
the panic one. The one I want to talk about is the disciples. Remember when Jesus was on a boat? Mm -hmm. Let's go about and read about it. So this is, what is this? Panic. So Mark 4. And I think I want to start at, mm, yeah, let's start at 35. When Jesus calms the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. 36. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silent, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. 40. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 41. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now I've talked about this particular chapter and verse because it just it's one of the things that I just hold near and dear because I understand the panic side of life you know it wasn't like oh there's a butterfly landing on my nose it was sir how I imagine it is this storm is fierce okay water is starting to get inside the boat maybe even a piece of the boat look like whoof is getting ready to oh it look like it's getting ready to be out in the ocean somewhere um i'm sure they try to go ahead and you know navigate and do all the salesman kind of things you know do stuff with the i don't know the proper names but they pulling the ropes you know how you see in the movies where they're like ah and they're getting they're splashing the water all over the place so i'm sure it was a sight to see in the whole entire time god is just like in jesus form just a snoring and just yeah it's okay i'm all right and it's like time out <laughs> Um, Jesus, how we going to bring this issue to you is what the hilarious part to me, which reflects all things panic is that they, they came to Jesus immediately and said, don't you care that we're going to drown? The panicked mind always has in mind what's going to happen. Nine times out of 10, the panicked person is never responding to what's happening. They're always responding to what they concluded in their mind is going to happen. It's one thing to say, man, it is raining really, really bad. And, you know, we need to do something about this rain. It's another thing to have already concluded, man, we're going to drown. Doesn't that sound like a lot of us in kind of like, you know, low key ways? You know, maybe your check got messed up, maybe you know, in between jobs, maybe the finances for whatever the reason looks way different than it did about six months to a year ago. And all of a sudden you already have in your mind eviction, car repo, homelessness, shelter, have to move in with, whoa, 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 panic mind. <laughs> How did you conclude all that? Really? Okay, uh, let's circle back a little bit and let's just face the one issue of hmm financial indifference. Or you had that one argument in your relationship and I was like, break up. Now I got to tell my family and friends I'm going to be embarrassed. It's like, whoa, 
how about we just face the issue at hand, which is, huh, had an uncomfortable spat. Let's go ahead and talk about that particular thing. Let's put our finger on the issue instead of letting the issue just come into this whole big storm. And we're like, oh, now you are responding to this sadness and this mourning of something that you concluded. You, you understand? You get this one little sniffle. Now it's like, oh boy, now now my joints. And it's t- just calm down. Everybody just calm down. And for crying out loud, when you do have sense enough to stop doing it yourself and you bring it to Jesus and you put it in the lap of God, for crying out loud, can you not go and ask him, does he care? God, don't you care that I'm out here applying for all these jobs and nobody's hiring me? God, don't you care that I'm out here being faithful and doing all these things and this man or this woman is treating me like this? God, don't you care that I'm working all these jobs and I'm and the least you can do is just help me not to get sick. The least he can do. Ooh. <laughs> you sure you want to talk to God like that? Now, listen, you lucky I'm not God. I'm lucky I'm not God because I was raised by a very strict mother and grandmother. And I'm playing none of that. Um, none of that back talk. OK, I done seen a lot of different um you know, slaps and, and, and combos thereof just for the look of something that looked like you were talking back. So you're not going to talk to me, um, as my mother said, you're not going to talk to me crazy, okay? And so the good part is that God lets you go ahead and vent, as we can see what Job did, all the chapters that he was moaning and groaning. The thing that I want you to do better in is if you're going to bring it to him, bring it to him asking him, what do I do? I think the disciples would have had a way different outcome if they just would have woke Jesus up who was peacefully sleeping and say, what do we do about this rain? You know, do you have something that you think, you know, maybe we can push the sails a certain way or do you think we should turn around? They didn't even come to him looking for a suggestion. They came to him with a, yeah, we've already concluded what's going to happen. And maybe that's where you are. And you need to turn that whole way of thinking around. That panicked mind, oh my goodness, it will burn you out more ways than a marathon, tri-marathon could ever. It is emotionally exhausting. It is mentally exhausting. And you will be looking like, why do I feel so tired all the time? And that's because you have so many different windows, so many different tabs open in your spirit and your emotional realm of what's going to happen if, because these particular issues are occurring in your life. So you have already concluded the end result and they all look terrible. And you have all this just open in your soul and you're wondering why you're just so sleepy and exhausted and you're spinning maybe I need to I need to start drinking more water I I need to start getting more sleep I need to start eating no maybe you need to close some of those tabs in your soul and really go to God and say what do I do because you can't see past your nose God is already in the next five to 10 years, he's the alpha, he's the omega. How dare you, feeble person, <laughs> go ahead and tell him this is what's going to happen in my life. Oh, when did you become God? Now, I know that you're just looking at a situation and going, hmm, worst case scenario is that. But you're not responding that way. You're saying, man, this is going to happen. That, do you see where I'm going with that? Maybe if they woke Jesus up with a different mindset, he wouldn't have touched on the fact that they had limited faith. Maybe he would have been like, hmm, glad you asked. 
I have this whatever in my back pocket. You know, I, I matter of fact, uh, literally, did you know, got a whole nother boat. We can make it out of my sandal. Like you don't, you never know. But because the faith was a blocker, they couldn't see greatness. And I don't want that for you. I don't want the obvious, which you like to call, well, it's obvious if I don't have a job, that's going to happen. Okay, but you know what's also obvious? That God can do miraculous things that will have you like, whoa, who is this man that even the winds and the waves listen to him? That's what they said. Maybe in your life you'll be like, whoa, how is it that God was able to get me an extension on that particular payment? How is it that God was able to go ahead and get me qualified for a job that I didn't have the experiences or the background? Whoa, don't you want a whoa moment? Instead of going to him and just saying this is going to happen because how you compute a storm? Maybe the storm is the opportunity for him to really show like to give you a whoa moment. Shoot, now that I'm saying it, I want a whoa moment. Mm, you're gonna have me start praying whoa whoa kind of prayers whoa anyway I did my little my little dance with the young people but that's fine okay so we talked about the panic this is good listen I'm enjoying it listen I was gonna pitch you on speaker but I'm I'm close to the phone now I'm like I don't want to hang up but let's go to our last one the last one is kind of unrealistic only because it takes a mature seasoned person to respond to a storm this way and it's with prayer the person that sees the thing and goes "Mm -mm, I know exactly what needs to be done I'm not responding to my emotions I'm not responding to the circumstance I'm going right to the only person that I know that can direct this situation to better than anyone on earth can and I'm going straight to the throne and that's my girl Hannah yep Samuel's mama Mm mm-hmm so we're gonna go just jump right into it so you know that Hannah's husband had two wives and the first wife I believe her name is pronounced Panea but that's gonna be her name for now she getting ready to be something else but I'll go ahead and just try her name um Panea will go ahead matter of fact let's just read it so this one is first uh, Samuel chapter one and I want to go ahead and start at verse six so Panea would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. So Hannah couldn't have no kids. Seven. Year after year, it was the same. Panea would haunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Eight. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah asked, who was her husband. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you can have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? I have a lot to say about that, but we're going to move on and stay on task. Okay, great. Nine. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Ten. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Eleven. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies. If you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. 12. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. 13. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. 14. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. 
15. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was praying or pouring out my heart to the Lord. 16. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. 17. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. 18. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Do you know how powerful this is? Let me explain something to you. Hannah is the exact replica opposite of what the disciples were. The disciples used their skill set of being a visionary to go ahead and see the outcome concluded as something terrible. They are going to drown. Whereas Hannah used her visionary skills to go ahead and say, he's going to have this much hair. I will never cut it. She went as far as asking for a son. Like, let's look back. She already painted exactly what she wanted. She used her skill of hope to be like, okay, no kids now, but let me go ahead and let you know. God, you give me him, this is what's going to happen. Um, he's going to be yours. I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And that's a sign he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. And it's like, time out. how did you even know it was going to be a boy? How did you know that his hair was going to be long? And how did you like, how did you already perceive that? Because sometimes you can believe a thing to the point that look what happened to Hannah. Once the priest, Eli, was able to say, oh, okay, you know what? Then I touch and agree with your prayer. Her, her response was, oh, thank you. And she went back to where she was at originally and began to eat again and was no longer sad. Do you understand that you can see your way out of being sad? That you can look at your circumstances now and go, you know what, I know I don't have a child now, but in the name of Jesus, God, you give me what I need. You give me what I'm requesting for. I'm going to go ahead and give him back to you, and then I'm going to do this, that, and the third. God, I know right now I'm in an entry-level position, but I see myself being, you know, the manager one day. So here's what I need right now. I need you to teach me what needs to be taught so I don't feel like I'm just, you know, at the bottom. I'm just one of the frontline workers who don't get the respect or, you know, the bottom feeders, if you will. Right now I know that I am single, but I deserve desire to be married and so right now God I, I'm just excited this is what my my wedding's going to look like this is what my dress is going to look like this is what my tux is going to look like right now I know that I'm house hopping or, or couch surfing but God when I get my piece of real estate and you make me a homeowner I'm going to have my living room set up like this I'm going to paint the walls this color I'm going to go ahead and have towel here and this color carpet and do this that and the third I know right now that it may seem like I'm lonely but you know what when I go ahead and um, get that backyard that I want I'm going to get dogs I'm going to have all types of uh just all types of lawn chairs and things like that you have to get into your own mind and say I'm going to see it for myself and I'm going to excite and stir up my my particular happiness again and happiness does not end or exist just because of what I can see and if I can't see it with my eyes open then by God I'm going to see it with my eyes closed and you close your eyes and you see your way back to your happiness do you understand me mm, Holy Spirit do a thing this woman was just sitting there a couple of chapters ago looking at realistic lens. She didn't do like the woman with the oil and realistically say, well, I don't have any kids. So what you going to keep doing, being sad every time Panea gets one? 
She didn't panic and go to God and say, well, I'm, I'm this age. And, you know, after this age, childbearing is just not. She didn't go with that. She went with prayer. Do you see the difference with the response? And unlike the two of them, she didn't get her answer right away. And that's a word right there. The realistic point of view with the woman of oil, she was able to see her blessing way quicker than Hannah. The, the, the panicked form of, oh my gosh, and Jesus, don't you even care? They was able to see Jesus go ahead and shh, quiet the waves in the storm before they can actually get a different dose of their faith. But Hannah, mm, get this, Hannah was able to stir up something in herself to the point that she was like, you know what? I see it. I feel better. I connect to it. And I'm not connecting to it because I'm painting with a brush that's just my own. I understand that when I paint and I put the blood of Jesus on that prayer, when I paint and I see it through God's lens, then I, I can go ahead and get myself out of it. Because just like that, I know that it will be done. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. And so when you ask, are you asking with a posture that you can see it? And now that you see it, you like, mm, I might as well walk like it's already here. Hannah went back to that table like she had a baby in her hand. And she didn't conceive. She didn't do the act of conceiving. She ain't showing. She, don't got, she didn't make it safely past the first trimester because you know that's so scary. She walked back to that table eating like, who? I'm going to get him and I'm, and I'm going to hold him and I'm not going to cut his hair. I'm going to dedicate him back to the Lord. Who's him? She didn't even have a name. Mm, Holy Spirit, have your way on this telephone call. Listen to me. Listen, sometimes I know when I'm speaking and this is not me. You better let the Holy Spirit grip you where you need to be gripped. There is a part of you that he's trying to get you by the shoulders spiritually and he is shaking you. And this phone call right here is the shaker. Do you understand him? Are you getting the message now? Can you hear him now? You have to start seeing your storm differently. You have to start responding to that thing differently. And with the examples of panic and the realistic view, I want you to choose the prayer route. And the reason why I'm so in awe of Hannah, like I said, she didn't get her prayer answered before. You see what I'm saying? It's not like she got the the answered prayer and then changed her posture and her emotions and okay great I got it now so I'm good no she had to make a decision just like we all do do you hold this negativity and what have you and you know I, I have to see it to believe it and do you drag this heaviness from day in to day out until you get your your prayer answered is that even faith at all you, you see what I'm saying with that? So my challenge to you is, can we just be a little bit more like Hannah? It's easy to have a disciple panic mindset. It's easy to have a realistic mindset, especially the times that we live in. It's like, listen, <laughs> it is what it is, and it's nothing I can do about it. You're right, but God can. Can we just tap into a little bit more of that prayer? God understands that you're human. He knows how he made you. He knows what you need. But do you know the God that you serve? Do you know that you can go to him? And just like a child, 
Remember when we were younger? And it was like, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? And we would just shoot out what we wanted when we were really, you know, just not working, no W-4, none of that. And just being able to be like, all right, well, that's what I want. And going away and just kind of like keeping it like, hmm, that's it. Like, that's what your prayers should feel like. I told my dad what I need. I told my dad what I want. And now I'm excited. I can't wait to Christmas. That's exactly what Hannah did, isn't it? She put her prayer on God's to-do list and went back excited, waiting for Christmas. That, that's how I want you to carry that. So whatever you're facing right this instant, I want you to choose a mindset. Hopefully you'll go ahead and choose the prayer mindset. And even if you're not in something right now, trust and believe that life is going to go ahead and serve you up because life is just one big classroom. And now that you hear or heard this new piece of information that you can apply, life is like, okay, so now apply what you learned. So you're going to get the opportunity to go ahead and, uh, you know, work this out. And I pray when the opportunity presents itself that you do choose the prayer lens, the prayer mindset. Ooh, this was phenomenal. And I'm looking at the time and I'm like, man, we have 40 minutes. I can go a whole nother 40. But I do feel like you got what you needed. I love having these conversations because I promise you, I, I start off with like, okay, I think I want to talk about this. And then Holy Spirit just uh, finagles and does what he does. And by the time he's finished, I'm like, how did you get chicken parmesan when all I had was pasta sauce? But isn't that like, the woman with the oil mindset, I had to just catch myself. <laughs> you understand? Okay. Yeah. This is going to be fun. And this is going to be fruit that you can apply for all your lives. I want you to tell every every time, this is an, I'm on a second challenge. Every time somebody comes to you with a problem, I want you to present them with the Hannah mindset. And go ahead and show them, because you should remember this phone call. Go ahead and show them what panic looks like. With the disciples on the boat with Jesus when he was asleep. And what the realistic mindset looks like with the woman with the oil. But give them the option of knowing that there is a way to look at a storm. A difficulty of any sort. Something that is outside of your control. And still have a Hannah type of posture. And I want them to go back. I want you to go back to your situation unchanged. With the only mindset or the only change being that you feel better and that you're hopeful now and that you're smiling now and you feel lighter. And even if it's not here yet, you know that there's a due date on that thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God, for this. And You know what? Let me just do what I feel like. I want to seal this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this new information that we were taught through the Holy Spirit on today, that it impedes itself and buries in our soul, that we will never forget it, that it's not a circumstance that can happen once we get off of this phone, that it can just snatch away what we learned. We saw through Hannah that it is possible to be happy prior to your prayer being answered. We saw through Hannah what it is to be hopeful when we go ahead and put ourselves in a prayer stance and looking at our life storms. So I am thankful 
Lord, that you are going to teach us how to walk this thing out like Hannah, that we will not have a disciple mindset, that we will not have the woman with the oil in her house. We will not have that mindset either. And thank you so much for teaching us because you only teach those who are graduating and going to new levels. And so I thank you that each level that we go to, that we continue to bring bring new information and new mindsets onto us and that each one teaches one and that you will be glorified at the end because in and of ourselves God we will not handle these psalms correctly but with you we can do all things through Christ thank you thank you thank you Lord it's through the blood of Jesus that I pray this prayer amen (sighs) this is great I think this is probably going to be one of my favorites yeah I'm about to get off the phone and just recap with my husband like wow this is really amazing but as my good good nanny says all right I ain't gonna hold you Later.